Hey folks, Brian Cook, your host here. If you've been a fan of the podcast for a while, you have probably noticed that we have virtually never had a sponsor. Well, there's a reason for that. It's that this show is too fucking filthy. It just hasn't worked out except for a couple of very brief periods of time. So, in honor of our second anniversary, which is today, uh, we are launching a line of shirts through estoymerchandise.com. Would you like to support the podcast? Would you like to get something in return? Check out estoymerchandise.com and go over to the right-hand side. You'll see a whole list of podcasts you can support uh, by buying their merchandise. Click on Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction and check it out. We've got great shirts designed by the same fella that does my poster art. If you've seen it, his name is Mark Palm. He's amazing, and it's the uh, Princess Leia Muppet on the Chewbacca bearskin rug that you may or may not have seen, but it's a great design. It's a great shirt, $26, men's and women's sizes, and that includes shipping and it would really help us out here at Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction HQ, which is my apartment. That's estoymerchandise.com, E-S-T-O-Y merchandise.com. Find Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction on the right-hand column. Enjoy the show. Now entering Nerdist.com. Hello and welcome to episode 125 of the Competitive Erotic Fan Fiction Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Cook, and you've found the Internet's number one most trusted source for Muppet boners and horny loners. Upcoming shows include June 21st, that's the third anniversary and championship edition here in Los Angeles at The Virgil, that is free every month. June 29th, Union Hall in Brooklyn, and if you are listening to this on Saturday, June 6th, you can come see me opening for Sean Patton tonight in Seattle at Rebar. Tomorrow we are in Portland at the Doug Fur Lounge, those shows are going to be a blast. Today we've got Dave Anthony, Matt McCarthy, and Jake Vogelnest reading pieces they wrote based upon audience suggestions at the last L.A. show, which was May 17th at the Virgil. First you're going to hear them draw topics, then we will fast forward into the future to hear the finished pieces. Enjoy. This evening I present to you a tale of a band of outcasts fighting for survival in a harsh, unforgiving world. It's the highest grossing movie in the country, the long-awaited sequel, Pitch Perfect 2. <laughs> I have not seen the original and only watched the trailer once, but I can tell you this, it is the number one movie for a generation of kids who don't remember Bring It On. That's right, the gang's all here. I don't know. Anna Kendrick, who also doesn't know what she's doing in this piece of shit. Rebel Wilson, who totally knows what she's doing in this piece of shit, because in three years her name will always be prefaced with the questions, hey, whatever happened to, or do you remember... Plus, David, uh, I was in Alvin and the Chipmunks twice, why are you surprised? Cross, and I don't know, is that Ellie Kemper? I can't tell, and I refuse to watch the trailer again. They're all here, and they're going to take, they're not going to take no for an answer, or something. I don't care. They're going to, it looks like Europe, to compete in the Acapella World Championships, an event that does not exist, which celebrates the best of the best in a genre of music listened to exclusively by college girls who think Cards Against Humanity is fun. (laughs) Just when you thought this film might have even lower stakes than Whiplash, which I also did not see but do not care for, (laughs) enter Elizabeth Banks and John Michael Higgins, who I guess are the commissioners of acapella, telling our girls that no American team has ever won the world championships because, and I quote, They hate us. Suddenly, it's us against them. 
you know, the rest of the world. Those fucking people. Gross-ass Europeans or some shit. Having not seen the film, I can only assume what follows is a parable on anti-American sentiment in the wake of the U.S.'s war on terror and our jingoistic foreign policy, particularly after 9-11. What's that? No? That was all just a clunky way to get the audience on board with the coming cavalcade of clumsy, xenophobic caricatures of foreigners played for a cheap laugh? But let me ask you this. Does someone cover Call Me Maybe? Probably. (laughs) Cut to the big competition. The stadium is packed. That's right, the fucking stadium. Because in this world, tens of thousands of people have turned out to watch musical acts that answer the question, what if there weren't any pesky instruments on stage and everyone looked like extras from Glee? Because beautiful people make the best music. And by music, I mean covers of pop songs. Hey, what would the Beatles sound like as covered by celebrities who did one summer stock production of Dreamcoat? Bad. Really bad. Melismatic as fuck. Google it. I have a music degree. But Brian, I hear you cry. Where is the fucking? I mean, this is competitive erotic fanfiction after all. And so far, this has basically just been a glib play-by-play of a movie trailer that no one is surprised you didn't enjoy because this shit isn't really for you, idiot. (laughs) Well, you're in luck, perverts, because it's about to get steamy. Cut to a party scene. Generic. Infuriating. The kind of collegiate hootenanny literally no one went to, but that exists in every college movie ever made. Rebel Wilson is approached by beady-eyed, perfectly cast, frat monster Adam Devine, who asks her point-blank if she wants to have sex later, to which she replies no, but then winks at him. Not satisfied that the audience is smart enough to get the joke, Divine's character then repeats the question and explains to us, I mean her, that by winking, her eyes are sending a very different message than her mouth did, which clearly said no. I can only assume we will cut back to this scene later as evidence of mixed signals during Divine's character's inevitable rape trial. (laughs) Sexy enough for you yet? I don't know where else to punch in some fucking here. I mean, there was the one part where the character who I will call the designated slut says she will do anyone to win this competition and someone corrects her by saying don't you mean do anything and she says that too I guess we could see that scene do you want to see that scene like her blowing judges or ramming a strap on down the throat of her opponents with such ferocity that they are rendered incapable of singing the next day I don't I fucking don't Maybe a lesbian romp with all the girls after the big celebration replete with a bunch of lazy music innuendos like, let's see if you can still hit that high C with my cunt in your boob. (laughs) Or something. Look, I let my dog write that last line. That's how little patience I have for this shit right now. How much did you pay tonight? Zero dollars to get in? And who do you still get to see on this show? Fucking international comedian star Deb DiGiovanni? John fucking Roy, who's been doing comedy since some of you have been born? Dave Anthony? Andy Haynes? Matt McCarthy, who still hasn't showed up? Sharon Houston? Pat Sussmelch? The Internet's Jake Fogelnest? Let them do the heavy lifting. I usually bomb in this fucking show anyway because even audiences that come out for something entitled competitive erotic fanfiction still take a good ten minutes to get comfortable enough to laugh at fuck stories. I blame society and the puritanical ideals upon which this nation was founded. Look, I've been doing this fucking show for over three years and sometimes I just don't have it in me anymore. So who's really getting fucked in this story? You are. 
the good people of Los Angeles and probably Omaha next weekend when I lazily trot out this same goddamn thing for the second time in a week. But looking around the room, it looks like some of you haven't been fucked in a real good while, so you're welcome. Then Rebel Wilson queefs and falls down or something. The end. Thank you very much. Sharon, I'd like you to get those suggestions. And please welcome your round two comics who'll be writing based upon your suggestions. Dave Anthony, Jake Fogelnesk, and perhaps Matt McCarthy. Clap your hands for your round two competitors. Don't make me lecture you again. All the way to the stage. There's Matt. Matt, you went to the right venue this time. Last time you went to Nerd Mouth. I just want to immediately distance myself and say uh, uh, K.K. Cannon, who uh, writes uh, Pitch Perfect 2. Uh, I have nothing to do with anything. And Elizabeth Banks is in Wet Hot American Summer, uh, coming to Netflix July 31st. Thank Jake you. Jake Fogelness, ladies and gentlemen. The internet. Sorry, I'm trying to have a career in show business. <laughs> I'll take gay bars. <laughs> Let's start with Mr. Fogelness since he's already been introduced by way of barging onto that microphone. Clap yes. your hands for Jake. Thank you. Here's how this part works. If he likes the first suggestion, he can take it and run with it. If he doesn't like it, I will draw a second one, and then you will all vote with your applause on which one he has to write. Jake, your first option is Masters of the Universe. Yeah, this is probably something better. Let's all right. See. Has not been done. Hasn't been done? Maybe. If so, maybe once. Uh, ooh, Letterman's Last Show. Oh, yeah, Letterman's Last Show. Right? Yeah, yeah, come on. We leave it to you people, but you all know what to do. Right? Who wants to hear Masters of the Universe? <laughs> no one. One of you suggested it. Not it anymore than that. That person's like, fuck it, we're doing the Letterman thing. Dave Letterman's final show. Yeah. Jake Fogelmas. Thank Thanks, buddy. Keep it going for Matt McCarthy. You guys can go start writing. You don't have to chill here. Yeah, take it away. Uh, Mr. McCarthy, your first option is the Terminator. What else do you have? <laughs> uh, let's see. The Comedians of Comedy. It's up to you. It's people. up to you, good people. Who wants to hear the Terminator? Yeah. Who wants to hear the Comedians of Comedy? Yeah. Do over. Wow. Oh, it's my show. I do what I want, ladies and gentlemen. Mm, Ramona the Pest. Matt McCarthy, ladies and gentlemen. Yep. That's, that's, I was on one of the Comedians of Comedy tours. That Were you? Yeah, it would have been great I if I got I didn't see you in the documentary. Like, me? Fucking. No, I didn't make the documentary. Oh, that's surprising. Wow. <laughs> so I'm going to take off. <laughs> you might want to after you hear your first suggestion, which is Dragon Ball Z. I don't even know what that is. How old a man are you, Dave? <sighs> well, let's see what else we got in here. X-Men. So, who wants to hear Dragon Ball Z? Yeah. Fuck you. People. <laughs> who wants to hear X-Men? I wonder if anyone's going to have a, a, a mutant dick. Hold on, David. Let's see if we can do better. <laughs> hungry, hungry hippos. There you go. Anthony, ladies and gentlemen. Third time, always the charm. Hey, please keep it going. Dave Anthony, ladies and gentlemen, clap your hands. I, uh... I hungry, hungry hippos? Hungry, hungry hippos. You sure did, Dave. Fred Kroll sat on the bus on the way to work. The year was 1967. He wanted more out of life. What was he, just some fucking asshole who worked at the zoo taking care of hippos? 
Hippos he fed, sure. He liked them, sometimes a little bit too much. He looked around the bus. He was pretty happy with his new green pants. Cool pattern, he thought. I mean, they were striped, little small stripes up and down the legs. These are cool pants. I have that going for me, he thought. Then his mind went back to the hippos. They were okay. He liked things wet, that's for sure. He also liked things that were pink on the inside. That pretty much described hippos to a T. (laughs) Fucking hippos, Fred said out loud on the bus. People looked at him like he was a freak, but he knew he wasn't. Fred entered the hippo compound when he got to work and grabbed a load of fresh green grass to feed his hippos. Is this really all I'm going to do with my life? Just feed fucking hippos? God damn it. Then he thought about how pink the hippos' mouths were, and he smiled. This isn't so bad. He headed out into the hippos' area. There they were, Lizzie, Henry, Homer, and Harry. Four hippos. They were just sitting in sort of a square pattern. Two pairs, each facing each other. Fred laughed. Fucking hippos, he thought. God damn it, they are wet. They're, they're like moist, he thought. And then he walked over to them, and he dropped the grass right in between them. Holy shit, they went into action. Their mouths open and closed. Snap, snap, snap. Be watching above and were clapping. This was a great fucking time. Fred just stood there in the middle watching those pink mouths open and shut and open and shut. Oh, man, then the grass was gone. And Fred was about to walk away when Lizzie opened her mouth and closed down on Fred's pants. His green pants that had stripes up and down. Small green stripes, like grass. Holy shit, Fred thought. And then his pants were gone. And Fred was pulled to the ground. The crowd above suddenly went silent because of what they were seeing. See, Fred, Fred was known as what's called a free baller. <laughs> His sweaty white testicles glistened to the sun. They were big and round. Fred had a medical condition known as big round white balls. You know, hippos had never seen such a thing, but they instinctively knew that they wanted those balls in their mouths. It turns out in Africa, hippos survive on a diet of grass and non-indigenous white men's testicles. Lizzie the hippo snapped and snapped. Fred tried to spin around to get his balls away from that hot, wet, pink mouth. But as he spun, the other hippos snapped and snapped too. He moved a little closer to Homer's hot, wet, pink mouth. And oh no, in went his balls. It was very quiet for a moment. And Fred tried to pull his balls out of Homer's mouth, but it was shut tight. Fred's scrotum was stretched very thin. The more he pulled, the tighter his sack became, and the better it felt. Fred realized he was hard. And Homer wasn't biting. He was sucking. He was sucking Fred's balls. His cock rose and rose. Then Fred was super, super hard. And Homer was sucking only like a hippo can suck. Fred shot a cum, a load of cum, so high into the air that he thought he deserved an award. Some kind of coming award, if that was a thing, Fred thought. And as his load flew into the air, a small child screamed out, Hungry, hungry hippos! 
And Fred suddenly had an idea. And he knew he wasn't going to be working in his boring job anymore, even though it had just gotten much less boring because the hippos were sucking his balls until he came. One month later, Fred walked into the Milton Bradley headquarters with a box under his arm. And he looked at the receptionist in the eyes and he said, I have the greatest game in the history of mankind. And Hungry Hungry Hippos was born. <laughs> Dave Anthony, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. American hero Dave Anthony. I said American hero Dave Anthony. Thank you. Yeah, you're done. And uh, that's, the real, that's the real creator, Fred Kroll. <laughs> Fred Kroll, ladies and gentlemen. So that's it. I just leave? Yeah, you just leave now. <laughs> okay. We'll see you in a little bit. Thanks, Dave. One more time for Dave Anthony. I saw somebody lurking around the corner. Oh, Mr. Jake Vogelnest. Clap your hands. This is the, uh, this is, is what it is. <clears throat> Biff Henderson stood in the wigs wearing his headset. 30 years he'd been doing this show, and he'd probably done this thousands of times. Tonight, he found himself nervous. As he kissed a mouthful of his own cum into David Letterman's mouth, he found himself almost misty-eyed. Wow, Dave. I can't believe that's the last time I'll ever jerk off into my own mouth and then kiss my jit into yours before the show. How long have we been doing that? (laughs) 30 years, my friend, replied David Letterman, a true broadcaster who invented the concept of subversive late-night television as we know it and also enjoys having cum kissed in his own mouth. (laughs) The CBS Orchestra began to wail. Late show announcer Alan Coulter's voice boomed through the studio. From New York... Home of the cannibal cop, which was the NYPD officer who used to go on a website called darkfetish.net to discuss his fantasies about fucking and cooking his wife in a giant industrial oven in the basement. It's The Late Show with David Letterman. Tonight, Dave welcomes Jay Leno, former Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, and Andy Kindler. And now, for the last time, David Letterman! The audience goes wild and cheers as David Letterman takes the familiar walk to do his monologue. Only something is different for this last show. David Letterman is nude. Nude on the stage of the Ed Sullivan Theater with a giant erection. The audience leaps to their feet, giving this comedy legend not just the standing ovation of his career, not just for 30 years of flawlessly blending high status with self-deprecation, but for his beautiful, impressive, erect hog. (laughs) David Letterman takes it all in, pointing to his hard hog while the audience applauds. Paul, you see this? You you see it? Can you believe it? My hog. Take a gander. The applause dies down. The audience eager for Dave's final monologue. Thank you so much, folks. I know it's a it's a special night, and I want to start by telling you something I've uh, never told to anyone. Now, a lot of you might remember our first show back after 9/11. Huge applause from the audience. <laughs> We weren't really sure how or, or if we should do the show again, picking up the pieces after that great national tragedy. Well, and, and I've never told anyone this, that's the hardest I've ever come. <laughs> after going to commercial, I pleasured myself, and I, I've never been more sexually satisfied. So I just want to thank you that, thank you for that deeply from the, from the bottom of my heart. Audience burst into very sincere applause, honoring the legacy of this television pi- pioneer who's uh, still completely naked and fully erect. 
Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Paul Schaefer and the CBS Orchestra, everyone. Paul Schaefer gets played 15 seconds of a Steely Dan song or something <laughs> as Dave crosses over the desk. Paul! <laughs> it's been a wild ride, man. Now, now, get this, everybody. Paul, immediately after the show, he's getting on a plane to Cleveland. Now, what are you doing out there, Paul? I uh, going out to the, uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, Chuck Berry, you, you know, legendary uh, guitar player. Yeah, yeah, practically invented rock and roll. Yeah, uh, he used to secretly uh, videotape women going to the bathroom in his house and his, uh, his chain of chicken restaurants he owned. Anyway, we're, we got the tapes at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and Chuck's going to come out and play a few songs and he's going to take a piss all over me. <laughs> Really? Uh, Chuck, uh, Chuck's gonna piss all over? Yeah, it's the last show. I might as well tell you, I'm a real piss freak, Dave. I love piss play, just getting pissed on, pissing on girls, pissing on guys. I love to get wet, babe. Yeah, so Chuck Berry's gonna piss on me. Uh, glad glad you're, uh, you're keeping busy after the show, Paul. There's a bass guitar riff. Across town, Jimmy Fallon sits in his New York apartment watching the final Letterman show on CBS. So great! It's so great. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, Jimmy Kimmel and his lovely wife Molly watch Letterman. Jimmy is holding back tears. He taught me everything I know. On the other side of L.A., Conan watches the show. No one did it like he did. He's a, he's a class act until the end. Somewhere in Chicago, W. Kamau Bell on tour, staying at a Doubletree hotel. Fast asleep, completely missing the show. <laughs> Go watch it online in clips tomorrow because that's how we all consume late night television today. <laughs> in the uh, New York studio, Letterman continues. I, I got some bad news, everybody. Jay Leno just uh, killed himself backstage autoerotic asphyxiating. <laughs> and Gabby Giffords, this is, it's crazy. She left her longtime husband and is currently engaged in an S&M relationship with Rupert G from the Hello Deli. So ladies and gentlemen, let's bring out our final guest. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Andy Kindler. <laughs> Did you know Alexander Graham Bell was the first person to sarcastically answer the phone, Hello! <laughs> the Worldwide Pants logo appears on the screen as the announcer says, The pants are stained with cum. <laughs> then the new British guy fucks Reggie Watts or something. The end. Jack Vogelness. Where's Matt McCarthy? Is he right there? Oh, I can hear him coming down the stairs. Clap your hands for Matt McCarthy. There he is. Oh, look at that. Full regalia. Hey, man. Hey. Uh, this story is called Ramona, age 46. <laughs> the city was cold and unforgiving. And it yielded nothing but hard times for Ramona. She had been known by, na by many names in her time. Ramona the Pest, Ramona the Brave, Ramona the Loose, Ramona the Suck Pump. <laughs> One day, Ramona found herself where she could usually be found, carousing sailor bars near the dock. Jonesing for a dollar and a hit, Ramona cozied up to a rough-and-tumble sort of, ta sort of tailor with a tattoo of Thor on his forearm. Want some company? She purred into his ear. He turned around knowingly. It was as though he had been waiting for this moment to come. I've been waiting for this moment to come, he belched. 
I can help with that, she smiled coyly. The coming part, I mean. I can help you come. <laughs> Ramona, don't you know me? She tried to ignore the heavy narcotics coursing through her body and focused as well as she could on the sailor's face. Her eyes widened, as did her hump hole. <laughs> it was Davy, her crush from kindergarten and book two of the series. <laughs> Davy? She tilted her head in awe and horror the way you would when a hipster rides by on a big old-timey bicycle. <laughs> Don't be afraid, he assured her. I have cocaine. <laughs> Ramona's Pavlovian response was to cup Davy's crotch with both of her hands as though it were the only thing that would keep her warm. Davy's noodle sprang like a slinky down subway steps. Not here, he instructed, grabbing her wrists. I have a room upstairs. Give me a little taste now, Ramona begged. She was also known as Ramona the beggar. <laughs> Davy, horny and stupid, said, okay. And they totally went into the women's room in the bar. It was a gross bathroom, and it smelled like poop. Ramona, <laughs> Ramona didn't care. As soon as the, it closed behind them, she slammed Davy up against the door. This way, you're sure to be the only one who comes in here. Davy smirked at Ramona's lame joke. Man, she's really messed up on drugs, he thought, as he reached into his coat for a bag of cocaine. Ramona peeled Davy's pants off of him, and his big floppy boner pointed at her nose, as if to say, you should definitely sniff cocaine off of me. <laughs> Davy sprinkled blow all over his dork and said, blow this, then blow this. Ramona no-selled Davy's equally lame joke as she was busy doing all the cocaine off of his icing tube. Flying high, she began sucking his cock now, like a lot, as though she thought maybe he had more cocaine. He assured her that he did, but not until after he shot a number in her eyes. Why my eyes, she mumbled through a savage cocksucking. Because you deserve it. <laughs> Davy slapped Ramona on the face and jammed his penis hard against her throat. Ramona the Gurgler was another one of her nicknames. And she earned it tonight. <laughs> Ramona gagged and made a weird high-pitched coughing noise like a bird who smokes cigarettes or something. <laughs> Davey withdrew his purple love club, then slapped Ramona across the face with it. You like that, don't you? She nodded sheepishly. Sheepishly! I'm going to give it to you again, you goddamn whore. And do you know why? Because I deserve it, she stuttered out, almost sounding like a question, which totally infuriated Davey even more. And you know why, don't you? Because I whammo! He stuck his pink peckled pecker back into her face place. <laughs> like, like a jackhammer made out of a man's penis. And then he... In, in and out, in and out. If Ramona could have afforded food, she would have thrown up. Instead... <laughs> instead, when he withdrew, she caught her breath, looked up at him, and smiled. 
Davy saw this and turned beet red. He began fingering his asshole with the plans of sticking it in her mouth because she deserved it. Spit in my mouth, she begged. Shocked, grossed out, and turned on all at once, Davy reared back and launched a wad into Ramona's awaiting fox face. Mm. Ramona made a dance in her mouth before spitting it back on Davy's flesh hammer. Uh, Davy, Davy wrapped his meaty hand around Ramona's throat and inquired sincerely, Oh, you like that? Yes, please, Ramona blubbered as tears rushed to her eyes and her complexion brightened six hues. I'm a dirty slut. I'm Ramona the dirty slut. She was also known as Ramona the dirty slut. Punish me! Davy pushed Ramona's face down onto the gross, poopy-smelling women's room floor. She raised her dumper high in the air and wiggled it in Davy's face. It only enraged him all the more. Davy kicked Ramona both in her vagina and butthole all at once and called her a bad, 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 bad girl. He then tore her pants off like he was the Incredible Hulk or some shit. Ramona's lady parts were soaking wet and ready to make a life regret. Davy stabbed her like his dick was a sword and her pussy was an evil dragon he hated. <laughs> Whoa, you have such a big boner, Ramona yelped. Shut your fucking whore mouth, you stupid bitch. And Davy fucked her even harder and meaner and way more inappropriately. <laughs> Suddenly, a knock rapped at the door. Hey, there's a lie forming out here. Fuck you, asshole! Davy whipped his head around and bellowed. He turned back to finish blowing his load in his latest conquest when he felt the hot rush of blood pour from the fresh slice in his neck. He stared for a moment at the knife and then at the cold darkness just past the blade deep in Ramona's vacant eyes. (laughs) Davy grabbed at the wound and fell backwards. Ramona raced through his pockets, taking his money and cocaine. She leapt up and shimmied out the tiny window resting above the sinks. Currently, Ramona's whereabouts remain unknown. And when reached for comment, her former kindergarten teacher, Miss Binney, said she fears the worst. (laughs) Matt McCarthy. Matt, you can stay right here. Let's get everybody from round two back to the stage. Big round of applause for all your round two comics. Yeah, two. We got half of them. They're on the way. All right, I'm going to remind you once again what everybody read, so no voting yet. We started with Dave Anthony with Hungry Hungry Hippos, then John Roy with the FCC, Jake Fogelnest with Letterman's Final Show, and finally Matt McCarthy with Ramona the Pest. So pick a fucking favorite, starting with Dave Anthony, Hungry Hungry Hippos. John Roy, FCC. Jake Fogelness, David Letterman. And Matt McCarthy, Ramona the Pest. Your round two champion, Mr. Matt McCarthy. One more time for all of your round two competitors. Everybody you saw tonight, your bar staff here at the Virgil. That does it for round two. To hear round one for this show, you can go back and download episode 124. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It's a big help as our positive comments. For more details, you can follow me on Twitter at Brian Cooking or the show at CEFanfic. See you next time.
Now leaving Nerdist.com.